All right. How many of you guys were at Finger of God last week? Did you enjoy it? Cool. Me too. Finger of God was a documentary about uh, just people going around, praying for people, uh, being led by the Holy Spirit, just you seeing acts of the Holy Spirit and God all over the world. They were going to Afghanistan and praying for people. Uh, and in these places where the church is persecuted, we saw a picture of, uh, not a picture, but a video of the underground church in China even. And it just, it sparked something in me because you see these people in a room, they can't have service like this. They can't have this big band and uh, this great production because they have to stay hidden and they have to stay underground. So imagine there's nothing particularly outside appealing about being a Christian there. They have to actually believe what they believe and be willing to face persecution and opposition for it. Uh, and it just sparked something in me. It's, it sparked another level of gratitude. And you even saw that in the prayer tonight, just the fact that we can just come before God boldly in our country, you know, that we can come before him freely and we're not really dealing with persecution. The worst we deal with is like backlash on Facebook. And that's not all that bad. So if you didn't get a chance to see the movie, I think that uh, it's available for sale online or, no, 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 I'm sorry. It comes out in December uh, and you can check it out. It was awesome. Also, Another announcement that I wanted to give you guys just about my own life. I don't know if you guys, if you're not friends with me on Facebook, then you probably didn't see it. But I announced a few weeks ago that I got engaged. Thank you. And aside from recently becoming Fusion Pastor, recently getting engaged, I was just given a free wedding. You can make some noise because I appreciate it. For real, it was a um, quick story, it's crazy. My, I was doing personal training for the past few years and earlier this year, in about February, somebody reached out to me who used to work here at Victory. Her name's Ashley and she reached out to me online because she had posted somewhere on Facebook that she was looking for a personal trainer and somebody who used to work at Victory just sent her my name. We didn't even know each other. She reached out to me, talked to me about um, collaborating with her because she had a bridal consulting business and she wanted to advertise my personal training services to her brides in exchange for me training her. And when I first heard it, I'm like, mm, I need some money right now. But <laughs> uh, after talking to her, because she was messaging me first, once I talked to her, I was like, man, this girl is super cool. Uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but I want to help her regardless. So we started training. A few weeks into training, she, we were just talking about my relationship, and I've been wanting to get married to this girl. So that was nothing new. Um, but I was just telling her about it, and she told me, hey, we actually sponsor a wedding every year through my company, and we don't have anybody for 2019, and I want to sponsor your wedding. So all you got to do is get engaged. So... God is doing amazing things right now. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, we are in a new series tonight. Somebody's excited. <laughs> uh, we're in a new series tonight. It's called Black and White. 
And we put this out on Facebook. We asked you guys what you thought that it was going to be about. And some people thought it was about racial reconciliation. Some people uh, thought that it was, yeah, zebras. There we go. Uh, we had one person say it was about Michael Jackson. <laughs> it's not about Michael Jackson. And, yeah, I know you're disappointed. But, uh, and then there were also people who said that it was about probably no gray areas. And that was a little closer to what we were looking at. The series was actually inspired, uh, I was just reading in my own just devotional time uh, in the book of 1 John. And I was reading a letter. The, the book of 1 John is, it's called an epistle. It's a letter from John, who was a disciple of Jesus, who knew Jesus personally, who was uh, one of the closest three people to him, Peter, James, and John. And James and John were brothers. Uh, they were the closest disciples to Jesus. They were like his inner circle. And John wrote a letter to a church who was dealing with confusion. There were a lot of leaders uh, just putting lies into the congregation. They were leading people astray by trying to compromise and include the outside world's philosophies in the gospel. So the time that they were living in, um, Greek philosophy and, and all these things were just highly esteemed. And so these leaders wanted to more, they wanted to intellectualize the gospel more. They wanted it to be more respected among the times. They wanted it to appeal to people's intellect more. So they tried to infuse these outside philosophies into the gospel, but you cannot have your own gospel. So John, he starts the letter by saying, we saw him, he's talking about Jesus. He starts it off saying, we saw him with our very own eyes. And this is the Passion Translation. Uh, Erskine just told me about it, and it's, it's, I like it. So it says, we saw him with our very own eyes. We gazed upon him and heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him, the one who was from the beginning, the living expression of God. This life giver was made visible, and we have seen him. We testify to this truth. The eternal life giver lived face to face with the Father and has now dawned upon us. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about this life giver so that we may share and enjoy this life together. For truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus, the Anointed One. Peter, who like I said was in that inside circle, uh, he said in his second letter, he said, we were not retelling some masterfully crafted legend when we informed you of the power and appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we saw his magnificence and splendor unveiled before our very eyes. So these were people giving a firsthand account and they wanted you to know this isn't something that we heard from somebody. We saw him. We touched him with our hands. We heard his words with our very ears. And this is the message that he brought. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. I want to unpack that a little bit tonight. That's the verse that 
gave us the title of our series, Black and White. He's reminding them of the simplicity of the gospel, that it really is black and white. That's heavy. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. That doesn't look like our culture. Our culture is continually wanting to mix, continually wanting to water down, to make it more palatable, to make it easier to digest, to make it easier to accept for our own lives because the gospel, it's heavy. But this was something that actually started in the beginning of creation. In Genesis 1, verse 3 through 4, says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. In the beginning. Then fast forward, Jesus comes, and one of his disciples, after he resurrects, and he's talking to the church that's compromising, and he's saying, remember that it's always been this way. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. Darkness and light have to be separated. Second Corinthians talks about, in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about this and says, what partnership can light have with darkness? What partnership can righteousness have with wickedness? So I want to talk about this from the perspective of my own life a little bit, because this is a heavy message. And even as I was reading about it, praying about it, it doesn't sound all that encouraging. Is that okay? Is that okay for y'all? Because it's easy to hear, but the gospel is not as easy to live out. It's a fight. It's a battle. But the truth is the truth. For me, I think I walked this line of gray for a long time. I was relying on other people's prayers for me, feeling covered. My own prayers, knowing that I wasn't where I needed to be with God but still expecting, and because he's good, by his grace, he still kept me. That didn't make it right. And not everybody has the same opportunity to still be around. God said that tomorrow is not promised. And so what's in his word is what we have to live by. For me, for a long time, I told you guys before, I believed in Jesus but I did not look like a disciple. I looked like somebody who was just following my own will, my own way. How many of you guys have a vision or a dream for your life? Nothing, that's amazing. Does anybody wanna share what that is? Yeah, yeah, anybody, nobody? Nobody wants to share? What's up, Michael? That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, sure.
you want to get married and do it the right way? That's awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, please. Okay. There we go. There we go. Anybody else? Oh, oh my bad. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> That's awesome. Use your craft to bring a light to people who don't have a voice. That's awesome. And you said have a makeup empire. I just wanted to say that over the mic. Open your own what? Special needs daycare. That's amazing. It's amazing to have vision for your life. What I would advise each and every person is to go to God and allow him to align your vision and his. Because for me, that was the battle for the longest time. I was in this gray area that leads to nowhere because I was not ready to submit my life to him. I wasn't ready to submit my vision to him because I really felt like he was just gonna have me doing something I, I did not want to do. And that was as simple, when it came down to the core, I felt like, mm, if I just ask God what he wants me to do, he's gonna have me do something that I don't wanna do. And I didn't want that, so it was as simple as that. So I was putting everything that I believed in compromise for that simple lie that was in my mind that just wasn't true. God created all of you with desires. And when we submit to him, when we receive him, and he gives us his Holy Spirit, it says that the Holy Spirit is at work within you, giving you the desire and the power to obey him and do what pleases him. So your desires, you can trust that as you're walking with him, it's a faith walk that what you want to do is what he's leading you to do. And you just continue walking with him through it, continue praying with him through it. But that was probably the biggest thing that kept me from God for the longest time. And what it turned into was me walking in darkness. Because when you, sorry, let me pull this up. Um, when you don't allow God into a certain area of your life, you have the absence of God or the absence of light. And so it brings us to the next point. If you guys are writing anything down, I think that uh, now would be a great time to start if you're not. <laughs> Darkness is not a substance, it is an absence. Darkness is simply the absence of light. When we have areas in our lives that we have not submitted to God, he's absent in that area because we haven't allowed him in that area, so it's in darkness. Because God is, God is light. Sin is simply a deviation from God's will or his original intent for something, God's original purpose for something. A lot of times we overcomplicate stuff. That's all it is. If you want to know if it's sin, is it in God's word? Meaning, is it God's will? And if it's not, if it's not in his will, then it's sin. If God had an original intent or a purpose for something, that's the best way to do it. 
And when we deviate from that, we only hurt ourselves. And when we remove him from that, we are in darkness. 1 John 1, 8 through 10, this is all the same letter. He says, if we claim we have no sin, oh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 6. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God or relationship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. So any areas of our lives that we allow darkness, and by allow, I want to clarify, because falling into sin is, does not constitute living in darkness. We all fall. Romans 3.23 says we all, it says for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everybody does. But it's when you continue in that, when you walk in that in any area of your life that you are now living in darkness because you've removed God from that area and you've removed his word, his guidance, his voice from that area. Next verse says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth because everybody has sin. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing, him, and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. That's on us. That was on me when I allowed myself to walk in darkness because I removed God's will from an area of my life, which ultimately led to me removing his will really from my whole life walking in darkness, but thinking because I believed that Jesus was God, that I was still good and I could do whatever I wanted. But his word says different. It says if we say that we know him, if we say we're in relationship with him, but we're walking in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. And some, uh, some translations say we're deceived. And I think that if you lie to yourself enough, you will begin to believe it, and you will get deceived in that area. Yeah, you can clap. That's cool. <laughs> but seriously, if you lie, Scripture talks about that too. Our conscience becomes seared the more that we allow sin. So the more that you do something intentionally, the more numb you become to it, the less convicted you become about it. So then it doesn't even feel wrong. So if God is convicting you about something, it's always to lead you back to him. It's not to beat up on you or shame you. It's always to lead you back to him. It says that God separated light from darkness. And it says that God is light and in him there's no darkness. And then when we sin, we're in darkness. So this sounds like a depressing message. However, the reality is God came to fix that. He sent his son Jesus to fix that. And John is saying, I saw him. I saw him with my own eyes, heard him with my own ears. I saw him do miracles. I heard his words. I saw him transform people's lives. He really came. He really was crucified. And he really resurrected and took the power of death in his hands. Why? 
so that God could reconcile himself to us. And God never reconciled light and darkness. They're still separate. What God did was he sent his son and paid the price so that we could walk in light again. So now we have the opportunity to walk in the light. The Holy Spirit will empower you to do what God is calling you to do. He's not calling you to walk some impossible walk. Yes, there are challenges. No, it is not easy. But how many of you guys know that growth requires resistance? Do you believe that in every area of your life? So I came from being a personal trainer. It's in my heart to train and to teach. One thing that I had to accept in order to reach any goal of my own is that it is resistance that gets me there. God has woven this into the, our DNA, woven this into the universe. Where there's resistance, we grow. You gain muscle by putting yourself under pressure and resistance. So when you start lifting 50 pounds, you can't do it. It's resisting against you. But what happens, the more you try, you might have to go down to what you can do, but you're struggling with, right? And as you struggle, that's what we call working out and exercise. It's just struggle. For real. You're just putting yourself through a difficult time. <laughs> it's really all working out is. You're putting yourself under pressure and resistance. And then when you leave, your body then adapts to meet that resistance. That's how muscles grow. It's woven in us. Same thing happens in every other area of our life. When you're going through challenges and difficult times, sometimes that's because you're making poor decisions. But when you're walking with God, that's not always the case. Sometimes you're going through difficult things so that he can grow you. You're meeting resistance so that you can grow to be at the next level because God does not desire a life of no challenges for you. He said that he wants you to overcome. God could have easily wiped out humanity. He could have done a lot of, he could have done a miracle that didn't require him being crucified for us to be redeemed to him, but he didn't. He submitted himself, humbled himself to come down into our world, walk among us, live in an imperfect body, and live life like we do, and then ultimately die a painful death so that he could bring us to him. So if you think that your life is not supposed to have any challenges, you might not have read a lot about Jesus. However, Jesus is victorious. He did not stay on that cross. He did not stay in that grave. Clap like you believe that. He's not buried. He is not in a tomb. He was victorious, and he wants you to be victorious. But you have to understand this concept in order to do it. You can't halfway be victorious, and you can't win a battle you're not fighting. It's a struggle to not walk in darkness. Everything in our nature is dark. Everything in our nature, all of our natural 
desires. We just want to do our own thing. The absence of God is darkness. And we don't want to be told what to do. We want to do our own thing. So it's not easy. However, God's plan is always the best plan. Back to my notes. All right. So we all sin. But do your shortcomings lead you toward God or away from him? God already paid the price. It says that if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. So the problem is not on God. It's on us. He knows we're going to mess up. And he says we're going to mess up. And if we say we're not messing up, we're lying. So he's not surprised when we mess up. But what do you do when you mess up? Do you go to God? Or do you let that drive you away from him? The enemy, bless you. The enemy wants you to sin. And then he wants to shame you. So you sit around and beat yourself up about it. And you never move forward. That's the trap. We can't be ignorant of the schemes, ignorant of the traps and the snares that he's putting against us. But that's how he does it. First, he wants you to sin, which God says is going to happen. And then he wants to take you away from God by shaming you. God paid for that. He wants you to progress where you're sitting around feeling guilty, feeling like you can't talk to God, feeling like you can't come to God, and you're letting that drive you further into sin. God is saying, I'm ready to move forward. I actually already paid the price for you to be redeemed from this, and it was a hefty price to pay. So I would like for us, for you to accept that, because I've already accepted you, and come back, because I've empowered you to walk in light. You don't have to walk in darkness. Next chapter says, we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. I'm sorry it's so harsh. It's the Bible, though. He says it. It sounds harsh. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's that simple. So what did Jesus do that we can emulate? Three ways to live like Jesus did. One, let God be your father. Like I said, that was one of the greatest revelations that he brought was God as a father, not God as a tyrant, not God as this domineering figure who wants to punish you, but God as your father. How many of you guys accept God as your father? It's not always easy, especially when you know that you've been doing wrong. It's like, do you really forgive me? And we struggle with that a lot. The devil plays mind games, but God is your father, and he's a good father. Sometimes poor examples of fatherhood give us a skewed perspective of God as a father, but God is a good father. He's a father who loves you, who cares for you who wants the best for you. 
who wanted you to come here tonight just to hear this. He loves you, each and every one of you. God as your father. Next thing is letting God be your final authority. Second piece that Jesus did. God, you're my father, but God, you're also my final authority. So when Jesus was questioned, he always went back to what the father said. He always pointed people back to the father. Jesus, what's your opinion on this? What does the Bible say? Was, was Jesus' response all the time. He just came back to it with scripture. So we can do the same thing in our own lives when we're wondering, what are we supposed to do about this? God, what do you think about this? Go read it. There are so many resources. Just Googling your problems, I'm being so serious, has helped me tremendously. If I want to know God's perspective on a subject, I will Google, what does God say about blank? And I'll go to a respectable resource. Not like a random article with like stars as the background and weird stuff. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's really how they look. But really going to a respectable resource and something that lists Bible verses. Bible verses about fear. Bible verses about lust. Bible verses about uh, depression, anxiety, all these things. God really covers it all. He did not leave us out here without help. He gave us everything that we needed, and including the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that he's taught you. So when you put the word in you, when you run into situations, the Holy Spirit can then remind you of what the word says. But if you don't know, there's nothing to remind you of because you didn't know in the first place. When we know the word, it's powerful. We can apply it to every area of our lives. Point three, live to serve, not to be served. Letting God be your father, letting God be your final authority, and then living to serve, not to be served. I think that more people would see the love of God if we, as a people, focused more on serving and not being served, not dogging people for not serving our beliefs, but serving them to show them our beliefs. Paul said, show me your faith, and I'll show you my faith by my works. If we did that, and I'm talking about myself included, it's so easy to just go through life and not be actively living these things out. I was talking to Jamal the other day about how Angelina, one of our worship leaders, was in uh, the airport praying for somebody, and my first thought was, I don't like talking to people in the airport. For real, when I'm on like a mission at the grocery store or the airport, those are probably the most focused times of my life where I just want to get in and get out. And I don't want to talk to anybody. But her taking the time to sit down, talk to some complete stranger about their lives, about Jesus, led to a beautiful moment and led to people around them seeing it and somebody else coming up and praying. I was like, man, in what ways am I missing what God wants to do for people because I'm so focused on my own agenda? 
because I just want to go get like a gallon of water and some coconut milk and be out. For real. But it happens. Like, I'm sure there are people in the grocery store in need of hearing from Jesus. And because I don't even look their way, (laughs) I'm probably missing people. And especially in the airport. So wanted to throw that in there. But if we live to serve as opposed to being served, that's a way that we can live like Jesus. And that's what made Jesus separate. Says that God separated the light from the darkness. And if we're called to walk in the light, then we're called to be separate. The word holy actually means separate. It doesn't mean better. It means separate. God said, you must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. It's out of relationship. Everything that God asks of us is to better our relationship with him. Always. It's not, you must be holy because I'm holy and that's it. And I just want to see you be holy. It's no, I'm light. There can be no darkness in me. So when you're walking in darkness, you can't be in me. And then we can't be in relationship. So it's all about being in relationship. It's like saying, when you propose, when I put the ring on Gabrielle's finger, it was, you can't date anybody else. That's darkness. That's the absence of me. (laughs) We can't have that. But that's what God is saying to us. I don't want you dating anybody else. Don't put anybody else before me. That's what we want, though. And then when God asks it of us, it feels like too much. God just wants relationship just like you do. How many, be real, how many enjoy being loved? If you don't, I'm going to pray for you. God enjoys being loved. He loved you first and enjoys being loved and is not ashamed of it. He said, I am a jealous God. Are there any husbands who are jealous husbands? There we go. Jealousy does not mean abusive. There is a healthy jealousy. Like, if you in the DMs, we have a problem. Not today. Right. Don't message her as a male. Don't do it. That's how God feels about us. When the enemy is trying to send messages to us. Oh, no, don't mess with them. But then what do we do? We listen to it. So if she went and responded to the message, then we really have a problem. It's unfaithful. God is faithful to us and asks for our faithfulness in return. How many of you could be faithful to somebody who died for you? It's not a bad exchange. I was supposed to die. You died instead. 
and you just want a relationship with me, that's not a bad deal. Next. <laughs> oh, man. So we're called to be separate as God separated light from darkness. Holiness, when God says you must be holy, like I said, it's just he just wants to be in relationship with you. And there's no way of doing that when you're in darkness, when you blend in with everybody else and it doesn't benefit anybody. The best thing you can do is be in relationship with the God who created you and loved you, and that's what he wants for you. So what does separation look like in our lives? Point one, separation must be intentional. God separated light from darkness. It did not separate itself. We have to be intentional about this and vigilant about this in our lives and in every area of our lives. There are areas of your life that the enemy wants to keep in darkness because you can come here, you can worship God, you can praise God, and there might be some areas that you're not allowing the light to shine on. You're just over here letting that be in darkness. You have to intentionally because God wants the best for you. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all the things that are not like him. Sin does not benefit you. Remember, sin is just the absence of God. Absence of God does not benefit you at all. We get temporary satisfaction from it, but we're never fully satisfied. We are only fully satisfied by him. Two, oh, but I will say, separation has to be intentional, but it will not be malicious when you have the right motives. So there might be some areas like relationships that you might need to separate yourself from. Doing that when you have the right motives is not malicious. You don't have to look at people as less than you. You don't have to look at people as dirty it's just that's not benefiting from me. There's darkness in that, and I just have to separate myself from it. But these next two points are the solution for that. One is separation does not mean isolation. So we can keep ourselves pure without being isolated. And really, God wants us in community amongst each other. He said, if we walk in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. One of the indicators that you're walking in the light is you have relationships with other people who are in the light. It's a clear indicator. We're all walking in the light together. It's that simple. God wants us connected. He wants us in community. He said that he wants us to be his body. And the body can only function when it's connected. If you are a body part that's disconnected from the body, you're useless. A useless a hand that's disconnected is useless, but a hand that's connected is very useful. In order for you to be useful in the way that God intended, he needs you to be connected to his body, of which Christ is the head, sending all the messages down. Three, to the first point, we are called to separation and then to invitation. So, the separation is not a private club of Christianity. 
It's not the country club of Christianity. It's not exclusive by any means. You separate yourself from darkness, particularly from a heart standpoint. You don't allow your heart to be immersed in darkness. That doesn't mean you're not around people ever who sin. It doesn't mean you look at them, like I said, as dirty. We all sin. We all fall short. But you need to surround yourself with people who are walking in the light and can encourage you and build you up in that and then invite people to the light. And we do that by serving, by loving people, not by condemning them, not by bashing them for their sins. God did not bash us. He died for us. When we were separated from him, he came and got us where he could have just thrown us away. He could have thrown me away plenty of times. So many opportunities for God to let me go. But he didn't. All the times that I was walking away from him, all the times that I was doing what I wanted, all the times I was passed out drunk. Word. Talk to him. Really? That was clear darkness. And if I would have stood before him in that season of my life, he would have had an open and shut case against me. I've separated light from darkness. There's no darkness in me at all. You're walking in darkness after I came to get you and you refused it. Now what? That's one of my biggest fears for just humanity in general. What's so scary to me is the fact that there, the time that we stand before Jesus is inevitable. It's going to happen. And there are going to be so many people who stand before him and have no case. I would have had no case I know I rejected you. I just thought I had more time. I just thought that I could get it together. I thought that I could have a little fun. I have way more fun with him than I ever had without him. I have way more fun walking in light. I just got a free wedding. to a beautiful woman inside and out who loves Jesus, who wants to partner with me to do stuff for Jesus because she's way happier with him as well. The thought, that thought really, it, it eats at me because I know that, that's why I'm so thankful. One of, my, um, one of the kids that I used to mentor, he's a young grown man now, not all the way grown. But uh, he reached out to me yesterday, and he was like, he just sent me a text. Bro, how are you so humble? I'm like, hmm. And I just answered, anything that you think that I have that would be worthy of boasting about is not from me. It's just from God, and I don't deserve any of it. I don't have control over any anything that God has given me, but he's chosen to give it to me in his grace 
and use it to glorify him. So I just point people back to him because it just wasn't me. That's the God that we serve, a God that loves us and gives to us regardless of what we deserve when we accept what he's given to us. It's a gift of salvation extended to anybody who would believe. One of the last things that I want to talk about is, um, oh, to that point, we're called to separation then to invitation. How can people accept an invitation that they haven't received? The Bible also says that we're Christ's ambassadors. We're ambassadors for God. We represent him and speak on behalf of him. Are we inviting people to this light? Then I wanted to go into John 17. Um, This was the last prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. He prayed it for his disciples. And I just want to talk about part of this. He says to God, I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them wholly separate by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth so that they can come into the light. He didn't say it's going to be easy. He said, give them power, give them strength to be able to do this. Give them what they need. What they need is your word. It's as simple as that. That is the biggest asset I have. The most powerful weapon that I have is God's word. It's how I make decisions in life. You ask me, how did I know to marry this girl? Well, I have the word of God to go by. I have a standard to go by. How do I know what my calling is, what my purpose is? I have the word of God as a standard to go by, to filter my life through that I did not utilize in the past. So I tried to create a life for myself that was going nowhere. God is extending an invitation to all of us to walk in light with him, to be in relationship with him because what he has is what's best for us. We have to understand that. We have to understand that God has good intentions because if we just hear that God is light and in him there's no darkness and we just can't be dark, that's not encouraging. That's not the gospel. The good news is God loves you, has the best intentions for you, and while you were still separate from him, while you were still sinning, he came and died for you so that you didn't have to live like that, so that you didn't have to live in shame and guilt, in separation from God. He knew that this life was temporary. 
and we view it as such a big deal. We view today as such a big deal. When in the, when in the sense of eternity, the perspective of eternity, the only thing that important that happened today, for real, is what affected eternity. However, the things that are important to us, the pains that we deal with, we have a father who empathizes with us, who still found the unimportant things to be important enough to die for so that we could have relationship with him. I can't say that enough because that's all this is about. That's all this series is about. It's about Jesus and the fact that we can have relationship with him. It's the best thing in the world. It's transformed and changed my life. And I want to invite everybody to that because there's nothing better. Everything else that we're striving for, I've seen most of it and been up close to most of it. And it doesn't satisfy. One day with God is worth more than a thousand elsewhere. We all have that opportunity. So first thing that I want to do tonight, I want the band to actually lead us in that song that we were singing earlier, Here is in Heaven. And I want to give us all an opportunity to just get with God. I'm continually doing this because I think it's so important because it's about relationship. When I first moved back to Atlanta, three years ago, and I had walked away from a job that I knew God was calling me away from and didn't know what I was walking into, I was sitting in the back right over there in fusion after service in worship and asking God, I know this situation looks crazy to me, so give me your perspective on it and just tell me what to do next. I don't have to have the whole picture. I had no idea that three years later I would be the pastor of this ministry. I just asked for what to do next. And he told me. He responds. Like I said earlier, he's not a distant God. He's a God who's right here, who knows what you're thinking, who knows what you're going through, who knows what you're dealing with. Whether that's good or bad, some of y'all might have had a great day. Things are going great in life. Talk to him about it. Thank him for it because it's from him. It says that every good gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Every good gift is from him. You didn't earn it. Anything that you're going through that's not from him, he paid for. You don't have to be in shame or walk in darkness, but you can come into the light that illuminates the darkness. There's no darkness in him at all. We can have peace 